Welcome to Let's, Let's Talk, talk about, about Gay, gay Stuff. stuff. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBTQ history. Plus. LGBTQ plus history. L G. We have to add a new letter on every week. LGBTQ plus history. We're up to 66 letters. No kidding. We're in the Greek alphabet now. All right, we hear you. Welcome to a new episode. Kendall hates the intro. We are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. And this week, we're reviewing the week of September the 6th through September the 12th, where we'll discuss the first time the word gay was used to reference homosexuals, the premiere of the Rachel Maddow show, and the life and legacy of Edie Windsor. All right. So before we get into that, uh, speaking of Wolf Tony, you know, a recent Gallup poll (laughs) shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. And while we're growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our pets. According to a 2019 study, there was a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you are a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our own stress in any way we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Baked Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Baked Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients, and full-spectrum hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. You can check out BakedBones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and their other benefits it may provide. Baked Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% using the promo GAYSTUFF15. That's G-A-Y-S-T-U-F-F-1-5. Baked Bones is LGBTQ-owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Baked Bones proudly donates 10% of all the profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Baked Bones, bake dogs happy. Woof. There we go. We got it. You know, it's funny that <laughs> I can't, like, st- I've read this thing a hundred times now probably, and I still stumble on words, but I can do, a, like, a quick spot on, like, YouTube video or the Facebook video. Do it in one take, and I cannot get this word. <laughs> word st- I stumble. But your hair and makeup takes a lot longer, though. True, true. Than for the podcast. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> I put a lot of uh, hair and makeup in the podcast. You know, we talked about uh, LGBTQ-owned business. Uh, obviously, ListenWorks, which produces our company's LGBTQ-owned business. And we recently just joined the Houston, the Greater Houston LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Saw that, yeah. So, yeah, we can, you know, we're part of... Uh, we're doing gay business. Officially gay. We're officially gay. Well, What kind of business hello, are you talking about? Not that kind of business. <laughs> Okay, never well, mind. On the up and up. I was like, are you are you looking for employees? <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Not on that up. So we can go and uh, yeah, we can talk about business stuff with uh, with other yay people. So that's cool. But proud to be part of the Greater Houston LGBT Chamber of Commerce, who's also uh, yeah helping us out. So it's a nice little partnership that we have with that organization. Uh, but speaking of officially being gay, uh, now this is a week old uh, from when this podcast episode is being released. But we were in. Um, the Houston Chronicle. Yeah, it's pretty write-up. awesome. Courtesy of Joey Guerra. Thank you. Yeah, Very thank nice. you. Loved it. He said he likes to help out. Uh, give a shout out to the LGBTQ owned, uh, our LGBTQ programs and, and yeah. people. And so. It was a great article. Yeah. I loved it. I got a big whole spread in the I know, Chronicle. big picture. Yeah, yeah, I was like, third spread this week. Hello. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you're all about the Houston Chronicle. Who are you screwing over there? Oh, I meant. Oh, oh we're talking about that kind of spread. <laughs> you, you were in there with. You the, too, huh? With your husband. 
Oh, okay. So we are talking about newspaper spreads. Yes. Yeah. I was talking about the. Oh no! Last week what was, was the about our the husband, no, you and Ben, uh, the obits. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's <laughs> a pre- I hope not. A preview in the obits. <laughs> I figured that was the first, the only time I was going to be in a big newspaper like that, and so or my arrest, like some sort of random arrest, but uh, for I don't know, being stupid, public intoxication. But no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I thought it was the, pretty cool. The bars are closed, so I can't get uh, a PI. Yeah. So, no. We weren't like buried on, you know, page yeah, 17. Kinda. We had like a. Big we, picture. Yeah, we got a, a we got a picture, header, yeah. a header on the front page of that uh, section, and then uh, we got a nice article. Yeah, so that's cool. Right above Brianna Taylor. So you normally prefer a footer. Mm. Oh, sure um, do. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> yeah, footer. you know me. It was uh, it was fun. I, I will say this. I, I mentioned this to. So, folks, like, uh, growing up reading the Houston Chronicle as a kid with my grandmother, she would oh, yeah, drink coffee, uh, and, uh, you know, she would read the paper and cut out the coupons, and I would read the comics and uh, drink way too uh, sugary uh, coffee. But to, to now see... With your little pinky up. Yes. To now see, um, you know, our article in there was pretty cool. So it was yeah, kind of like cool. a full circle. So now I guess I can die. So well, something's really cool. So you'll be I'll in there next, next week. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the uh, episode of Our Spoopy Podcast. Uh, so yes. I love how both of us now that we're forty, we're like, oh, heart attack is right around the corner any day. I have now. to watch it. I'm doing home renovations right now. I'm scared. I'm scared. I just bought two saws that I don't know how to use. So, oh my uh, god, I am really scared. Yeah, just close insurance. your eyes and concentrate while you're doing it. Right, <laughs> close your eyes. And I have and I bought a lawnmower. So today I was cutting the grass and I was like, oh, I thought I was gonna have a heat stroke. God, so. cargo shorts, all these trips to Home Depot. You are a lesbian. Category is Butch Queen realness. <laughs> Yes, that's uh, that's me. So, uh, what else is going on? Speaking of old news, I mean, uh, the now we've got because well, I say this because we're in full force now with this uh, election season. Mm. The DNC is behind us. The RNC is behind us. Which the uh, BBC is behind us. The BBC. Well, <laughs> it's behind you. Hello, it's behind Tony. That's Whoa. for sure. I wish. Uh, it. By the way, just a side note on the RNC. Spencer. Uh, is not uh, not a Republican by any means, but he was definitely digging uh, the next day when they were talking about what's her name, Gilfoyle. Uh, oh, G- Kimberly Gilfoyle. Yeah, Junior's uh, girlfriend when she was like this shouting her speech <laughs> the, in an empty auditorium, like, and she was like, "The best is yet to come," which really makes me angry because that's one of my favorite sayings. Is like, "Hey, that's a life kind of mantra. The mm-hmm. best is yet to come," and now I can't use it anymore. So. Um, Whatever, but apparently I'm dying, so there won't be any drinking. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, election's behind us. Just a room. Oh, well, not behind us. It's in front of us. We're in a sprint. Uh, we've got about sixty days to. At this point, in the uh, when this episode's released, we've got less than two months to go. Uh, oh, that's right. Till November the third. So. Uh, make sure you take the pledge that we're talking about. You register to vote. Get registered to vote. At this point, less than 30 days in many states uh, to get registered to vote. So register to vote. Get other people registered to vote. Get at least three people registered to vote, five people registered to vote. Um, Make sure you go vote uh, on Election Day or maybe you plan to vote for before. uh, Get educated before you vote. Yeah. If you're going to do mail-in, make sure you're allowing yourself plenty of time to do that. There are certain deadlines. Put an extra stamp on uh, it. Yeah. Uh, And so you need to make sure you're mindful of those. Get other people to vote. You know, you can't... uh, 
uh, don't do it alone. Yeah, you know, their selfie stickers are there for a reason. You can't show them off anymore in person because, or in, in the office because we've muffed the pandemic. So uh, courtesy of Donald wow. J. Trump. Uh, so then, uh, you know, have people take selfies. And uh, you know, so hold each other accountable. Uh, and make sure, as you noted, Tony, stay educated on the issues, on the candidates, know why you're voting, know who you're voting for. And again, it's not just the presidential election. It goes all the way down to the the judges, the district attorneys. City um, council. City council. Prom queen. Vote prom for me. Queen. Yes. Hey, prom queen. Are you queen. prom queen? Mm-hmm. Prom queen. Speaking he, of, uh, oh, what were you going to say? Yeah. He was voted prom queen, but they're like, uh, you're a guy. We don't do that in Louisiana. <laughs> Actually, I think they do. You had a, a good friend uh, from college. He was uh, no, he wasn't. No, he was the homecoming king. Homecoming king, but he was very gay. I mean, he is very gay, but he was. Well, gay then. I won't tell you what he did with the scepter. They gave is he him. cute? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. You hesitated. You're like, mm, well, don't yeah. ever. He is, but don't ever ask me on a podcast <laughs> if someone that might listen is cute, because the answer will always be yes. Of course, <laughs> he's cute. He's very cute. Uh, but you have. He a, still wears that sash to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Only the sash. How I know. <laughs> he's, he's got jokes, huh? Uh, anyway, speaking of school days, uh, I feel you told us that you had something. To, you, you wanted to educate us, Mr. Kendall, going back. Uh, Back to the, the days of slang bang. You had some yeah, slang oh, our bang? Oh, our slang bang segment Wisdom where we talked about on. gay slang. You know, our ratings crashed after we stopped that <laughs> segment. <laughs> I actually did. Martha was like, you gave up slang bang. And she hasn't talked to me since. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not But it was a little segment we did um, to about educate. gay slang. Educate about gay slang. Mm-hmm. Educational. And then I said them all. I educated the whole world and didn't need to educate anymore. But then I found a new one from J-Lo, who has a transgender... Um, niece or nephew so the term is nibbling jennifer lopez (laughs) yes jennifer lopez uh nibbling is a gender neutral term for either niece or nephew okay yeah so if you're gender non-binary um or if you prefer not saying niece or nephew nibbling which is just so cute because we all love to nibble don't we Mm -hmm. there is a a a follower on instagram of of our account who will often he's trans and will often refer to uh like oh that's my sibling and i at first i was like what i don't and then i'm like oh that's a gender neutral pronoun it's not my brothers and sisters it's my sibling so um and incorporates the uh the gender non-binary folk that's a good thing where'd you find that oh you just read it Facebook, you know, where most research can be done. <laughs> All the uh, relevant I research. I thought you were reading Doesn't Us Magazine <laughs> now, and that's where you found it. <clears throat> Us Magazine. That was in the Library of Congress. <laughs> J-Lo, got, J-Lo got read recently because she, uh, she was trying to buy her and her husband, or fiancé, were trying to buy the Mets in New York, the baseball okay. team. And uh, apparently the deal didn't go through. So she issued a statement saying, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, we've been trying, and you know, we want to let the people know, the people in New York know it's not going to happen. Very disappointed. We were going to be minority, you know, these minority yeah. people who were owners, and then everyone came for her. They're like, people are dying. So Ain't nobody care if she was buying the Mets or not. You know, was it her credit? It would have been a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> that is racist. Candle. I'm just kidding. You're, uh, you know, my credits actually was good, and then we we parted ways, and all my credits bad. <laughs> so you're saying every Kendall time we jointly, every time we jointly applied for a loan. <laughs> You oh. got approved, but once we say they, rem- they removed the white name from my application, it was like, well, you know. Well, it was mm. that it was my headshot Denied. that I always included that did it. The headshot. Well, that's a different kind of headshot, anyways. Um, 
you know, uh, do you want a clean pet without all the hassle? Packing up Fido in the car and driving them all over town for a grooming is a chore that many of us pet owners rarely enjoy doing, which is why Kendall recently called Aussie Pet Mobile to give Morky a haircut. So you can use, instead of going to a groomer, which is hard to do these days in the land of COVID, and COVID uh, the groomer can come straight to you with Aussie Pet Mobile of River Oaks. All you need is to call them up, and they have a spacious, custom-designed mobile unit that they bring to your curbside. They have all the luxuries of a salon, including AC, heat, electricity, and water. There are no hookups needed, and they never use kennel dryers or harsh chemicals during the grooming process. Their vans ensure that your groomer's ability to take care of all of your pet's needs, including hair care to paw care and everything in between. They even offer special services such as deshadding treatments, whiting treatments, hairstyling, Dead Sea mud baths, dark color enhancing treatments, and facials. Sounds like something I want to do. <laughs> they groom me. Their groomers are trained and certified and will pamper your pets with a personal 100% cage-free one-on-one experience all in the comfort of your driveway or your curbside if you live in an apartment. You know what else Aussie Pet Mobile groomers are trained on? Social distancing. Yes, good social distancing practices. There you go. <laughs> you can make your appointment and be sure to ask about our co- their contact-free pet grooming service, courtesy of Aussie Pet Mobile. I did see Morky after her do. She looks super cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was you? You had a good experience with them. I mean, they made her look really pretty in the pictures. Well, yeah. Well, for me, the how best part was the cage-free uh, facial. <laughs> the cage-free facial. No. Yeah. How do I get in on that? <laughs> I usually like my facials in cages. You too. Yeah, but they did a great job on Morky. Uh, she looks great. Her hair, her her, her fur is mm-hmm. very soft, and so it's even more fun. Nails look amazing. The her, extensions are still in. Her breath's good. Uh, that's good. No, she um, looks very cute. She got the whole package. They got her nails did, so mm-hmm. she's looking real, real pretty. All right, uh, speaking of pretty, uh, tell us about your topic. Well, Kindle's pretty. Kindle. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Why did, are we 20 minutes into the podcast and no one's told me that yet? Tell me I'm pretty. I saw you starting to <laughs> tear up and I was like, oh, Because was it my sign pretty. that I'm holding somebody up? Somebody tell me it's pretty. Um, it's in the contract. <laughs> so my topic is the first time the word gay was used in print to mean anything other than happy, which was its, its, its original mm-hmm. meaning. Um, and it took place September 12th, 1857. Really? And it was in a magazine called Punch Magazine. Which sounds, believe it or not, it sounds like a, a gay yeah, porn magazine, like but it's not. Um, and it's not Tongue Punch, which is a lesbian uh, gay magazine. But <laughs> That's not really a, a lesbian gay. That's well, not, you never know. That, I, well, trademark Candle's that. Hurry. Start it. <laughs> I mean, there we go. Any lesbians want to get on that with us? But uh, Punch Magazine was a British weekly magazine of humor and satire that started in the 1840s, and it actually lasted until 1996, and then it came wow. back. Um, for a few years and officially ended in 2002. So it was along for a long time. Wow, Wait, what years? Punching a long time. Um, How long? There was from 1841 to 2002 it wow. existed, except for six years where it was kind of... That's, that's, that is. They brought it back, but it was gone huh. 2002. But this is also Britain where they, their institutions and a lot of their literary yeah. publications, all that last a lot, lot longer than us. I mean, we have Betty White, though, so <laughs> try to beat that. Hopefully she doesn't die with me. No. Oh, she'll outlast you. What are you <laughs> joking? <laughs> it's true. She's waiting. Bum knee, ticking, bad ticker. 
so this uh, magazine was known for its humor, and there was a cartoonist called... It actually invented the word cartoon, by the way. They took it from really? cartone, which was an Italian word meaning um, an illustration on a piece of cardboard. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> and they started calling it uh, cartoon well, and punch magazine. All sorts of slang bangs today. I learned a lot today. Wow, wow, this is so educational. Uh, <laughs> Um, You're going to be the prom king. So John Leach made this, this article. Done. John Leach never got married, so maybe he'll be a topic uh, <laughs> in the he future. Cute? He's dead, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> he actually was cute. Ooh, I'll take him Just out. ask Betty White. So it was actually referring to prostitution, and it pictured two Victorian-era ladies. They were talking outside an open door, and one of them, you could tell, was leaning kind of inside the door to make him look like a prostitute. And the caption said, The Great Social Evil, Time, Midnight, a sketch not 100 miles from the Haymarket. Bella says, Oh, Fanny, how long have you been gay? <laughs> Meaning, how long have you been a prostitute? Yeah. And it was the great social evil of the time. And in the cartoon in the background, there's a, a picture of a, an advertisement for an opera at the time called uh, La Traviata, which is about a courtesan um, from the 1700s. Courtesan originally referred to people that just hung around royal courts, but mm. then it became another term, kind of like wink, wink, prostitute. Oh. So there was a hidden meaning for to have the poster called about a woman who was a courtesan. Um, so at that time when the cartoon came out, people knew without saying it that, oh, gay means prostitution in that sense. And the reason it meant that is because the term gay, which came from a French word, guy, it might be pronounced G-A-I, um, the English started using it in the 12th century, um, and it meant happy, carefree, and it still means that to this day, but it started to mean so carefree that you did not care about any social norms at all. You, you were a little like too carefree. Instead of walk, skip down the street, you know? Well, like you're lighting the loafers. No, it didn't mean gay at that point. No. Meaning, like prostitution, you're so carefree oh. that you don't care that it's People a sin. You don't care yeah. that this is the Victorian era, which really was when gay um, really started being used. It meant to show that you were not so concerned what people thought of you. Let's just say that. Whoa! <laughs> Constant prostitution. Prostitution, whoa. Um, My wrong and then in the 1700s, there was the dual meaning. 1700s is really when it started to be used for something other than we're just happy. Oh, we're just really happy. And it meant addicted to pleasures and dissipations. Guilty. And uninhibited by moral constraints. Oh, yeah. So the gay, after that point, started mostly being used, or not mostly, in addition to the original meaning of we're all just so gay together, just so happy. Um, a gay woman gay was together. a prostitute. A gay man was a womanizer. Oh, okay. So up until the 20th century, if you were a gay man, what you really were saying was you, you were, were a, woman a womanizer. Yeah. Typically, that man is gay meant he was a bachelor who slept with a lot of women. Hmm. Um, and a gay house was a brothel. Oh, okay. And there are lots of publications that use these terms, um, newspapers, and there were trials where they talked about, you worked at the gay house, and you're a gay woman. And the implication was always that they were um, prostitutes. All because of a cartoon that started out. Okay, all right, I'm following. And the only time then it was used 
to describe homosexuals, which wasn't a term that was even used back then. But if you, the only time you would call a man or a boy gay is if they were a male prostitute. Okay. But it wasn't because, you weren't calling him gay because it was a man servicing a man. It, it was, was just, because that's what you called prostitutes, yeah. you know. Another term was gay cat, which was a young boy in service to an older hobo who would give sex in exchange for protection and tutelage. So oh, a gay okay. cat. Uh, now a gay cat is a lesbian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but even in the 20th century, it was mostly used for heterosexuals that were just free spirits, we'll say. Unrestrained by social norms is what uh, the way they described it. Isn't that how they refer to gay people, though? As free spirits. He's just a free spirit. Yeah. Years ago, I was waiting tables um, and on a Sunday, and it was packed. This was a seafood restaurant in Louisiana. And people were in so their, lesbian bar. Their, no, a church. They were in their church finery. And I was heard the, Sunday? the conversation. Yep, it was right after church. And there was a person that you could tell they were talking about the music minister, the choir director. And you could tell by the way they were talking and winking. He was gay, but they didn't want to say that. And a woman said, oh, yeah, he's a free spirit. And they were like, oh, yeah, he is a free spirit. <laughs> so ever since then, I call gays free spirit. I love were it. Were you like, I'm I don't know, get what's his number? I said, I think I know Is him. he cute? Is he cute? Because <laughs> like, I saw him at the gay bar last night. <laughs> uh, but in the 20th century, well into the 20th century, century uh, gay was not used to describe gay men. Like, there was a popular term called gay lothario, which means a seducer of women. But they were um, prostitutes. Like, so how much of seducing No, is? it wasn't just used. It was used either you're happy, you're gay in the sense of you're a prostitute, or you're gay in the sense of you're just... Um, a free spirit. Yeah. So a seducer of women is this instance. Um, not until the 1930s, there was a British comic strip Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Even in the 1930s, there was a comic strip, comic strip in Britain called Jane Gay, and she was a freewheeling uh, single woman who had many boyfriends. So, you know, she was a free spirit. She mm. was just a modern-day woman ahead of her time. Exactly. And then a, a gay bachelor was considered a womanizer. So they used the, the term gay a lot. Um, so it never meant gay people up until... James Buchanan wasn't... He wasn't a homosexual gay. He was a gay person. I mean, he was single, a bachelor. Yeah. I mean, if we'll go so back. So we were right about that. Yeah. Well, no, we were <laughs> wrong because what we were saying is, what Kendall's saying Yeah, we were saying he was a womanizer. We, mm. we were saying he's a womanizer. I don't think he was a womanizer. James Buchanan, by the way, was our first episode. So if yeah. you ever want to go stroll back to uh, learn about James Buchanan, the, pres the worst president of the United States by most accounts, check out that first episode. The first time it was used in the gay sense was in 1922, Gertrude Stein. In the homosexual sense? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the gay in the gay sense, in today's gay sense. It was 1922, Gertrude Stein, um, who was a lesbian, had a book called, isn't this, <laughs> Miss Fur and Miss Skeen. <laughs> was the name of the book? And it was the first to mention gay in the sense that we use it today. Uh, it said they were quite regularly gay. Talking about two women together. So it regularly sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, and then in reference to men, the first time it was used, gay was used to term men. It's actually very sad, but it's, it, it sums up very well the way gays were described. A man named Alfred Gross wrote in Sir Magazine, and I couldn't find out what Sir Magazine was, so I don't know if that's a lesbian magazine, <laughs> men's magazine, I don't know. 
But it said, I have yet to meet a happy homosexual. They have a way of describing themselves as gay, but the term is a misnomer. Those who are habitues of the bars frequented by others of the kind are about the saddest people I've ever met. Which was a stereotype of gay people, and I really, really wasn't a far off from the truth, is but, that gays were so miserable for so long because of the way society told yeah. them to stay in the shadows and you're going to hell and all that kind of stuff. So, And even I remember when I came out as a little preacher's kid, oh, but gays, I was told, oh, but you're going to be so miserable because all gays are so unhappy, and it's because they know they're sinning that makes them unhappy. Mm. But no, it's because we're told we're sinning. We're yeah. told we're going to hell. We're told you're disowned. We're told I can't have a relationship and uh, without being arrested. Like, I can't be out. I have to be miserable. I can't have sex because I can go to jail. Yeah, because I feel like gay people, you know, like, when we were younger and coming out, it's like, you're not miserable when you're amongst other gay people. It's right. like when you're in normal society and you're like, like nobody at work can find out, or you know, like if I'm holding a guy's hand in public, I'm gonna get you know right. ridiculed. It's they make you uh, like miserable, you I know, mean, like st- yeah. straight people in society. It's like I mean, I could see how some of it. I mean, because you see, it is the straight uh, uh, paradigm in terms of which we we live. Like you got to get married, right? Even as gay people, are like I'm never gonna find that one. I'm gonna be single, and we see those people. I mean, we have so then those you find friends four or five. at the at the gay bars. We have those friends, you know, who who are like I'm gonna be single all my life. Um, and but it it is it perpetuates this, this kind of miserable experience. I I I don't see you as that way, Tony. I don't I as a single person. I was never. I mean, like it was very comfortable, yeah, and with my being by myself. But I think uh, there is just because of this, the 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 societal norms of like you have to be partnered up, you have to get married. Yeah, because like, I feel even the gay thing aside, like coming from a small town, even straight people, it's like you know a lot of people don't even go to college. They kind of get married within a year or two after high school, but. And actually, not even small town, I feel in a lot of places, it's like, if by the time you're a few years out of college, you aren't like, seriously with somebody and thinking marriage soon, and then kids a few years later, it's like, oh, that's weird, awkward, you know? Well, it's not just being told that you're gay, so you're going to be miserable. It's being told that to be a member of the society, you're supposed to graduate high school, go to college, get married, have kids this is the way your wedding's supposed to be. You're yeah. supposed to get a respectable job so you take care of those kids. Your whole life is planned for you. And when you tell gay people, like they did back then, that, oh, but you can't get married, and you certainly can't adopt. And you can't and have you, sex. And like, you can't have a yeah. job. Yeah. They re- you can't have a you job. You couldn't be open. So you're telling them that the entire existence that they're mm-hmm. supposed to have, because straight people say you said it was supposed it, yeah. to be, that none of it is available to you. So of course you're going to be miserable. Yeah. yeah. So the stereotype of the sad, bitter homosexual was um, something that was kind of given to people. And then as the result of that, people would say, see, you know you're sinning and in the wrong because you are miserable. Um, But it's gotten much better here, but it's not any better in like the Middle East and a lot of Asian countries. So, Or a lot of countries around the world, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So by the 1950s, uh, gay had turned into the slang word of gay meant hedonistic and uninhibited. So um, 
the antonym, the opposite of that, was the slang word straight, meaning serious, respectable, conventional, mm. which is how we, how we came to describe gay versus straight. straight. So if he's the straight man, he's the good, respectable. The only time we use straight man in that context is in comedy. Yeah. Every comedian needs a straight man, the serious one that you play off the crazy antics against. Um, but back mm-hmm. then, it was uh, more. In, in terms of this podcast, that's uh, Tony and me. <laughs> See, and, yes. you're, and you're the gay man, Kendall. That's true. This Definitely. is the only place where I'm not really gay. <laughs> you're male, not gay outside a of male here either. Prostitute. I'm the one. So I thought that was really interesting because that describes why it makes sense now as to why we call them straight. Um, because at the time, it meant serious, I never thought of that until you had just started talking about this, but... Um, it's it straight. You wonder where did straight come from? Yeah. So and it's in you. relation to the gay, the word gay meaning so, hedonistic. So without gay, we wouldn't have straights. So hey, straight people. Exactly. And remember the the Victorian eras when we started really calling gay prostitutes or um, carefree and not carefree in a sense of like, oh, that's so good, isn't that great that he doesn't care much? Carefree in the sense of like the Victorian age was so buttoned up and rule based and conservative and in the 1950s gay had turned into something meaning hedonistic this is during the lavender scare mostly where we the gays weren't being allowed to work in the state department and many foreign schools and there were laws specifically targeted really for the first time widespread against the gays and it was the 1950s which is another very conservative eisenhower era Mm -hmm. after world war ii which is when the term turned into something even a little more dark and insulting. Which hedony sounds great to me. I'm like... <laughs> um, and then it also meant frivolous and showy, which kind of how we get camp. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the Christmas carol, Don, we now are gay apparel? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Gay apparel meant fluffy, show, you know, the Over big, the ridiculous yeah. fur trim. Celebratory. Yeah. You know, look at my closet. <laughs> full of gay apparel <laughs> um, so the it, it had a dual meaning of not only like hedonistic as in bad sinning basically is what we're talking about but it had a term of frivolous and showy uh, and gay, that's when gay men and women really started using as a slang for homosexual and the reason they didn't want to use homosexual to describe each other is because homosexual is a clinical word meaning yeah, it's very it was a mental illness. Well, no, it was a mental illness. Uh, mm. And the illness was homosexuality. I mean, it was in the American Psychi- Psychiatric yep. Association handbook of right. mental illnesses. I kind of want to bring back homophile, though. Can we do that? Just, I want to make t-shirts that say homophile. Because that was a word we're like not classy, you know. that, uh, that was floating around in the 50s and 60s as well, which I was like, that's not a fun word. But, uh, you know, it's 2020, so let's bring it back. Yeah. So it was a slang word on kind of an underground term for the gays. Um, during that time, it was still used popularly just to mean gay and carefree. I mean, in the early 60s, 1960 to 1966, in the Flintstones intro song, they sang, we'll have a gay old, you'll have a gay oh, yeah. old time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sense was a happy time. Um, and then... Pretty much it had turned into, after the 60s, movies in Hollywood started using as a term to describe homosexuals, and it became almost exclusively for the gays. Um, and then, even to now, the Associated Press Guide, which tells their 
A lot okay. of newspapers will use the AP guide on how we're going to write stuff. A lot of authors will do that. And their preference is to use gay over homosexual. Hmm. Okay. Uh, there was kind of a rumor that a lot of people believed. They call it a backronym, which is another slang. We're getting all the same. Which yeah. is when you call when you give the definition of something that happened in the past, like a current context, but it doesn't make it right. Okay. There's this thing that went around that gay. We call each other gay because it means good as you, but that's not true. Oh, okay. Who said that? Yeah. Uh, should be bay. <laughs> It'll be better than you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so we owned the word gay. We took it for something that was turning into, you know, hedonistic sinners. We took it back just like we're doing with queer. And then the early 2000s, I'd say around 2006, I'm sure y'all remember it when people started using gay as in that's so gay as in something lame. Oh, that was before that. Yeah, but it really yeah, caught on. Yeah, it was mainstream. It was big mainstream popular culture. Yeah. Um, because before they would say F-A-G or queer or something, and then they were gay became a slur almost. Um, and there were a lot of articles written about how it was used as a... They're trying to make it something negative, so I don't think that's as bad as it once was. I, I don't know. I mean, it... it uh, you know, we've had this discussion before, Kendall, uh, especially when we first started dating, but I, I didn't ever, as a straight guy, I didn't consider it as a bad thing but then for so what, from the word gay yeah so when saying well what context telling someone no that's so gay like i it wasn't meant to be offensive it was oh it was but, but i get from a gay person standpoint kendall yeah. articulated so you're saying uh that's so beneath like anything you would want to be that means you don't want to be associated with that because it's so disgusting yeah like, like growing up it was you know gay was used a lot and so I didn't really at the time. It's just, oh, that's what people say. So, but it wasn't until I was, like, much older that I thought, oh, yeah, that was very derogatory. Right. Because it's oh, like, gay. oh, that's so gay. Well, the it's intent like, well, is to say. What's wrong with being gay? Yeah. Does, what do you think about this hat? That's so gay. Meaning, like, you don't want to wear that. Yeah. It was never used in a positive context. Right, yeah. Which is funny. On a side, going back to the article, I was telling my dad. I was like, uh, I sent it to my, my parents and my sister. I'm like, hey, just, you know, info. Uh, and wasn't looking for like, hey, but my dad calls me. He's like, oh, what's, what's the big deal here? Like, is this my, I'm like, you're going to share it with your, uh, your family and your friends? And he's like, because uh, he's in text chains with, you know, aunts and uncles and whatnot. Uh, of, Nibblings. Of, of course, if I were in the business section, you damn well better believe my dad would have been the first one. Like oh, he would have drove, around, to, he yeah. would have drove to Houston to pick up a piece, you know, a copy of that paper, to you know, then have it or whatever. But because it was talking about the podcast, gay stuff, he's like, at six, sixty-one years old, my dad's like, if I send it to my friends, they're gonna make fun of me, and I'm like, you're sixty-one years old, like, yeah, you, who cares who's gonna make fun of you? He's like, well, I don't want my friends. He's gonna, yeah. it's gonna cause all sorts of drama, and I'm like, so you're so scared of people thinking or making fun of you, calling you gay. I'm like, that's every day of our lives. Uh, but you know, that's this. That, so it's so weird that going back to the point, Kendall, of like, oh, being you know the term why it's derogatory. That's so gay. And and the thing is too, Hispanic. I mean, Kendall, you have similar issues mm -hmm. with your dad. White. African-American, I mean, there was a lot of talk about it when Pete Buttigieg was running and the African-American community support. You can agree or disagree with that, but that was some of the conversation going on. 
regardless of race, being a homosexual, I mean, you're you're below, you're beneath, you know, if you're... Well, that's why it was always sad to me when people would not understand why it was offensive to say, that's so gay, or you're so gay. Because to me, it was like, wow, it's so baked in to our psyche as humans that, of course, it's like, I don't mean to be insulting, but the intent is to be, like, right, you yeah, can't yeah. see what is so obvious. You're never saying it as a positive thing. Yeah. To where it's not even questioned. Right. Yep. That's it. That's the gay topic. Wow. That, that was good. That, very that, that might have been the gayest topic we've ever done. Th- that's, uh, that, the gayest that, topic you've ever done. That was <laughs> the episode of Slang Bang. So that was, uh, that was good. No. no uh, very good. He I, did Slang Bang for his whole topic. Right. <laughs> and now on to our main topic. No. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me say, because a lot of people assume, including me, that we were called gay because it was kind of a, uh, we're so over the top and we look happy or we're being fake happy or whatever. Um, but no, it's wrong. It's because it's carefree in the sense of like, you don't care to be respectable or you're not, you're sinning and all that kind part of stuff. part of the societal norms. Yeah. So you're you're carefree yeah. of that. Yeah. I, uh, actually that's probably one of the, um, uh, most heavy topics we've discussed. I mean, we've discussed a lot of de- sad and controversial things, mm-hmm. but this one was the most, like, I had to pay close attention to what you were saying because it was a good lesson in terms of, like, the, what's the right word? Etymology? Is that the is that the word? Uh, That's for bugs. No, oh, no, entomology is bugs. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I, I don't know what the right <laughs> word is, so forgive me. But the, the, the lineage of the word is that's what I was trying. Whatever that word means, ology is, that's the, the study of words, that's the word I was getting. But it, it was very it was a very good topic. That was a very good topic. Um, oh gosh, thank you. Should we end the show now? Uh, no, because first we have What you're saying is you can't top that. <laughs> we'd like to thank our. <laughs> no, we tried. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works. <laughs> need help with marketing? Hire a freelancer. You need help building a website? Hire a freelancer. You need help with benchmarking and analysis? Hire a freelancer. Economy Works believes in the power of connection and wants to connect you with its talent network. The talent network has over 800 years of experience in growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy Works, when we work, the Economy Works. You can find out more at economyworks.com that's e-c-o-n-o-m-i-w-o-r-k-s dot com all right tony why don't you uh give us a little a little info on uh on ed so continuing on my multi uh you know uh lesbian i took the i took mad out because i was like oh this way we'll give tony off you know from from no i'm on this from lesbian i don't know every every week when you send out the topics i'm like i want to do that you found you found the one lesbian that i was like okay there's i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the lesbian from tony this week i'm gonna be the one representing lesbians we fight over lesbians yeah tony found the one other topic (laughs) so by all means talk to us about so yeah so Edie windsor uh the reason i wanted to talk about her is you know, naturally, she's the one that brought the case before the Supreme Court that gave us uh, legalized marriage. Um, she was uh, thir- twenty the twenty thirteen case or twenty fifteen case thirteen. Okay, yeah. So I knew her name, you know, and that she was associated with that case, but I didn't know a lot about her, and so I just wanted to know more about her. So she actually passed away this week, September twelfth, in twenty seventeen, um, and she actually has like a really a pretty fruitful and amazing life. So she was born in Philadelphia in 1929. Her family was pretty poor, so they owned an ice cream store, and because of the Great Depression, they lost the ice cream store, and they lived above it, so they lost their home. Uh, So she was pretty poor. She was also Jewish, and she faced a lot of anti-Semitism growing up. Um, 
she uh, went to college and she majored in math and she got her master's in math and she worked for IBM for years, for almost 20 years. And um, she really was very successful. So she um, was like super good at programming and really like on the, you know, forefront of the tech industry at the time, because this was in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, she actually reached the highest position you could in IBM, being a technical person. She was an executive there. Uh, she was very well known in the tech industry and uh, throughout IBM, uh, just for all of her uh, uh, success. She actually did some work for the Atomic Energy Commission while she was at IBM, so uh, pretty, very smart lady, very successful. Um, while she was working, her sexuality was an issue, so IBM grants uh, life insurance to their employees, and when she tried to put her wife at the time as beneficiary, you know, they wouldn't allow it uh, because it was another female. She actually got investigated by the FBI, and she thought, because it was part of the lavender, she was very paranoid about being out at work because, I mean, this was, you know, the 50s, 60s, early 70s. She was worried that, you know, she would get fired, but it ended up being something associated with her sister because her sister was part of this teacher's union, so that's why they investigated her. Uh, one interesting thing, while she you, was... Going back to Kendall's point in terms of, like, oh, why gay people were depressed, it's like, you're worried about, like, the FBI is investigating... Like, that's yeah. the thought that's like, I mean, oh, it must the, be because I'm a lesbian. Yeah, and so that at the time, the lavender scare, she probably would have been fired from IBM because it's like they had government contracts mm -hmm. and they were trying to root when, everybody... And she was with, you said, the nuclear aid... What's the... Atomic, atomic, atomic Energy Commission, yeah. yeah. So, also, when she... Uh, when she and her wife did, it wasn't legally married, but when they decided, okay, we're ready to get married, um, uh, she was afraid to wear a ring at work. So what she did is her, uh, when her wife proposed, she got her a diamond uh, brooch pin. Yeah. Wow. And she would wear that every day to work. Cute. Um, so she actually left IBM in 1975. Kind of reading between the lines, I think she was sick of having the mask on at work and not being able to, you know, be herself. And now she would hate this year. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to wear a mask. And so uh, she seems pretty masked though. Because after she done, after she left IBM, she was a technology consultant, but she really dedicated the rest of her life to LGBT activism, which is pretty cool. So, is that what you're going to do when you retire from your job, Tony? Going to be the next Ed Windsor? Uh, no, probably. Not. <laughs> I used to be very activist, and I well, then like, what's with the brooch? <laughs> oh, I'm just old lady, you know. That's why I wear it. It's just your Keeps tribute. Your shawl on. Yeah. That's your tribute to the Golden Girls. Exactly. Yes, exactly. No, my, I don't have a brooch. I have Sophia's purse replica. There you go. That's why. <laughs> so she was uh, really, um, she was really active in the LGBT uh, scene in New York. So. One of the biggest things she did was in the 70s, 80s, she helped a lot of LGBT organizations set up their IT infrastructure, become tech savvy, uh, you know, really helped them develop a lot of this so that they could be more effective and efficient and things Kendall, like that. Kendall, what did you have for lunch? Carol, that <laughs> you hear burrito. The, it's a motorcycle. <laughs> no, yesterday, look, let me just side note this because I'm still mad that I did it. Yesterday I was so Remember, we don't Facebook edit. fatigued because I went down the Facebook rabbit hole of um, reading mean people's comments, not to me, just to the world in general. Mm -hmm. Then I went and got a 20-piece nugget and two large fries and had four chocolate chip cookies. 
at, at once. Where'd you get your nuggets, McDonald's? Yeah. Did I somebody love their nuggets and fries. Did somebody say McDonald's? Uh, this, no, I'm just kidding. It's not, we're not <laughs> sponsored, sponsored by McDonald's. They don't give us money, so we're no. not. Grimace. <laughs> I do love their nuggets, and I love their fries with the hot mustard. Oh, uh, Spence loves McDonald's. And uh, the one here, like, closest to our apartment is very sketch where we're moving. I love it. You do go there? I've been there a few. It's right next to the bus station. Yes. Yes. It is roaming character central with, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. characters, like, knocking on your door, on your window oh, yeah. as you're in the drive through Oh, it's dicey whether you're going to live through it or not. Yeah. You're going to have a heart attack in a year, but, so it doesn't uh, matter. And, and this, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, so he he's now relieved that now there's one attached to the gas station by where we live, and so it's uh, oh, okay. That's good. Less a respectable characters. one, mm. less, less characters. A straight but one. Yes, everyone, everyone. I'm I'm not a fan of Mickey D's. Never. I only like their nuggets and fries. I don't like burgers. Well, I don't like burgers in general. But yeah. so maybe because my parents never took me there as a kid. Oh. You seem like a dairy My aunt did. My aunt Mima, she did. She would take me in Aww. middle school. She worked at, in the same middle school as I did and then would take us uh, to McDonald's to play. We had a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> sorry, cute. Tony. <laughs> Edie Windsor. So she kind of dedicated the rest of her life to LGBT activism, which I didn't know about her. So really helped a lot of LGBT groups set up their IT infrastructure and, you know, trained people to be tech savvy. Um she worked a lot with this uh, legal group, kind of like sounds like a Lambda legal predecessor, where they uh, really fought um, for people being discriminated against as far as HIV or, you know, just general sexual orientation or uh, gender identity. It's called uh, Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders. Um, there's a community center in Greenwich Village that she was very active with. Um, she actually was co-founder of a group called the Old Queens Acting Up. And it's an improv group, and they do skits that talk about social justice issues, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, she was pretty active in a group called Service and Advocacy for LGBT Elders, which tried to you know, improve the lives of uh, older LGBT people. Um, naturally, she gave us U.S. versus Windsor verdict, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, Congress actually uh, proposed the Respect for Marriage Act, which would have negated DOMA, and she actually introduced that bill with Dianne Feinstein. Um, It never actually got passed because it was proposed several years before she brought her course or her case to the Supreme Court. But um, Was she California? I thought she was a New York gal. Yeah, she's New York, yeah. I think just as the face of it, she was very activist, and so I think Dianne Feinstein and the the House rep was um, Gerald Nadler. she introduced it with them, I think, just because she was, you know, kind of the face of LGBT. Which the, both those two people are still in Congress mm-hmm. today. Um, it's interesting, though, that now they're viewed as, I mean, you think about that, that's pretty pioneering. Because yeah. this was when? In the 90s? No, or, 2000s. No, or 2000s. But, yeah. but so 20 years ago, I mean, it was yeah. pretty like, oh, these Because I think are... it was their response to DOMA. And it, it went before several sessions, but never gained any traction. And they basically, after her case was ruled by the Supreme Court, they said it would just be kind of a um like philosophical win it wouldn't you know like your case negated but these i mean these two now very senior uh congress people who by the extreme left are like you guys are old fuddy-duddies and you know you centrists might as well be republicans like they were kind of leading the way and yeah yeah yeah. so i just i was thinking about diane feinstein the other day because there was a video about six months ago where uh she had some young protesters in her office and she's like you don't know what i've been through she was basically not it was not becoming of her 
uh, in terms of how she was interacting with her constituents. Now, I don't know if they were all her constituents. But anyways, my point is, one day, that will be AOC, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, and the squad. Which, on a side note, I can't believe how much attention those folks got at the RNC. Like, you're, this party's being taken over by these freshmen house reps. But anyways. Because they're female. Yeah, because they're female. And they're minorities, right? right. So, yeah. But look like how they do Hillary and... Uh, Nancy Pelosi. They yeah. saved mm-hmm. the most venomous attacks uh, and yeah. paranoia yeah. for women. Yeah, yeah. But so, so Edie was working with uh, with Diane. Yeah, Benson. and so and she Michelle was involved Obama. with um, Israeli LGBT rights groups. Uh, the New York, uh, it's called the Big Apple Corps. It's their uh, LGBT pride band. Um, so her, you know, she was very active, you know, in the LGBT community. Her personal life, which pretty much led to uh, her suing the United States. So she dated guys in, in high school, but she always knew she liked women. And Didn't we all? In college, she uh, dated her brother's best friend, and he actually proposed to her. She accepted, and then she broke off the engagement because she wanted to date women. And, you know, she, I guess, referring to what we were speaking about earlier— she actually reconciled with him because she didn't want to lead the lesbian life because she thought it would be too hard of a life. So, Well, she could have cats in a marriage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So she reconciled with him, got married, but it lasted less than a year, and she, you know, she wanted to date women. So that's when she moved to New York and pursued her master's and kind of started coming out of the closet. Um, in the early 60s, she met uh, Thea Spire, who was her wife of many years to become, so they met each other at a restaurant that was also kind of like a dance club, and they were both active in the LGBT community. So they had known each other, they had met and knew each other for a couple of years, but didn't date. They started dating in 65, and then in 1967, Thea asked her to marry, marry her. And so that was kind of the start of their, you know, them considering themselves married. If I'm remembering their story correctly, it was pretty cute. Like, they, if you, there's some interviews I think where the two of them are talking and, and having an exchange about when they first met. Like, it's it, it, it's worth the research. Like, to just because it's it's very cute because I think they're telling it in, well, as they're older, but uh, just how they were staring at each other from across the way and you know being yeah. friends. So it was, yeah, and then once they started dancing, they danced the whole night. Mm-hmm. But then they were both in relationships, so that's why they just had to know each other for a couple of years. But then when they both became single, they got together, which is cute. So cute. Mm-hmm. So during that time, you know, she had to be very secret at work, and so she actually told people she had a guy, a husband named Willie, because you know Thea would call you know and ask for her sometimes. They're like, who is this? Like, oh, my husband's sister. Um, so they actually, you know, kind of what led to her suing the U S government was she said, look, it wasn't legal on paper, but we were essentially like we were married for years. So they bought a house together in 1968 in 1977, uh, which is only about 10 years after they had been together. Uh, Thea was actually diagnosed with MS and that started a, you know, decades long decline in health. And she took care of her. So um, in 1993, when New York uh, allowed domestic partnerships, on the first day it was legal. They registered it as domestic partners. And she continued to care for her wife. So in 2002, uh, Thea had a major heart attack. In 2007, uh, the doctors told Thea, they said, you probably have less than a year to live, so you better get your affairs in order. And so... 
They actually went to Canada and got married in Toronto um, because it was legal. But, of course, that doesn't mean it's legal in the United States. And the New York Times actually uh, did an article on them when they went up there and uh, got married. Um, so Thea actually died in 2009, and that's when um, Edie thought, should I... So what happened to us, so she died in 2009, and when she left everything to Edie, Edie had to pay the IRS $360,000 because... If you leave everything to a spouse, you don't pay any income tax. But if you leave your inheritance to somebody else, they have to pay income tax. And that's why I'm not leaving you guys anything when I do die, because you'll have to pay all that income well, thank tax. You. So yeah. I'm just saving you I guys from the, bill, so from, from the IRS. So, <laughs> so um, you're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. Uh, so she debated whether to sue. And it actually, when she decided to do this, so she was 81 when her wife died. And so I kind of applaud her for... Um, you know, taking on this fight. She, so she contacted several lawyers, and a lot of lawyers wouldn't take her case because they thought, you're pretty old, are you going to survive the court battle? And also, a lot of people, a lot of gay rights activists thought, is this the right case to take before the Supreme Court because you're talking about marriage as a fundamental right and you're taking, you're taking a case to court so you don't have to pay a big tax bill? And they kind of had, like, issues with it. So she did find um, a lady to take her case, and she was actually a lesbian. Wait, explain that again. So they didn't want to take it because it wasn't about... They just thought, you're trying to avoid a big tax bill, and that's why you're like trying to... Like it's more to... about money issues. Yeah. Than... Which it's... is probably a more appealing... Like, yeah, because there it's a black and, it's a black and white cut. Uh, well, me. it shows that they're... Two marriages are not treated equally. Exactly. Well, that, yeah. That's the thing. If you try to do it on a, a purist, like, oh, oh yeah, the philosophy, like yeah, marriage, yeah. like that's not going to win court battles. Like that yeah. doesn't. No. Yeah. So anyway, she did find an attorney to take her case. She filed a lawsuit against the IRS because she said, "I want a refund of that money," and they said, "No, like our statute for spousal exception doesn't include gay people." So. Um, in 2012, uh, the judge ruled in favor of Edie Windsor and deemed DOMA unconstitutional. Um, later that year, the Second Court of Appeals uh, upheld that decision. And as we know, in 2013, it went before the Supreme Court, and they ruled in favor of, of Edie Windsor. Who was fighting? Uh, the IRS was IRS, fighting? IRS, yeah. But then it be, when it went finally to the Supreme Court, do I remember correctly, the Obama administration was not fighting it anymore? Like, they, they may have... Uh, I disagree with that though. When they do that, because Obama did that with a few things, the administration. Right, just stop fighting. We don't yeah. agree with it, so we're not going to fight it. But that's that's not the way the system should work. The system it needs to be either yeah. argued in a court of law, or it needs to be overturned by legislation. Yeah. If you just say, "Oh, we're not going to defend it," but that's your role. Is yeah, you I'm might not like the law that's on the books as the government, but it's your responsibility. If you're sued for upholding a law that to go to the court and defend it. But what do you, I mean, I don't know what's the, yeah. So I don't know in this case who, um, cause I remember he stopped, you know, was it this case or was it the, uh, the over, I think it may have been other ones. Cause this one, it specifically was against the IRS, but, um, basically it ruled that dome is unconstitutional because it does differentiate. And her thing was you're giving preferential treatment to, a straight couple because I was with this lady for decades 
we had a house together, like I took care of her, you know. Um, uh, and so, as I said, I do applaud her because she was 81 when she took on the fight. Um, and I do remember this in Houston because this was the first year that our pride celebration went from Montrose to downtown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like for those listeners not in Houston, Montrose is our gay neighborhood and it's very neighborhoody. So logistically, it's like you just can't get that sizable of a celebration compared to like having something downtown where every street is five yeah, lanes Montrose wide. is side streets. And I mean, yeah. They... And I remember it was that year pride was so huge because this was this ruling came out the week before our pride celebration. And I just remember it was like so massive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, for clarification, right. Cause we talk about two, sorry, we get, we talk about two Supreme court cases, right? This, this one, the Windsor case, uh, 2013 overturned DOMA or, and ruled it unconstitutional. Right. Yeah. But all that meant was that a state can like, so it meant that the federal government no longer had a restriction on same-sex marriages, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So Virginia could, or Washington, D.C., could pass same-sex marriage, but Texas necessarily didn't have to. Didn't have to recognize it. Didn't have to recognize it, oh, okay, recognize yeah, yeah, it yeah. right? So yep. And didn't have to legalize same-sex marriages in Texas. So that's why the 2015 case uh, was important. Ogrefell? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was important Marcus, because yeah. that said, if you have to recognize them like you do all marriages yeah, yeah. Uh, across the, you know, across board state borders, because I mean, uh, straight marriages had been le- you know, accepted, recognized across state borders always. Right. Yeah. Maybe not always, but not always because you had the loving case back in the sixties for uh, interracial couples. Right. Uh, but you know, since then straight co- marriages had been, so all of this case, which was a significant thing, it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, no longer do we have a ban against same-sex marriages at the federal level. So if California wants to pass same-sex marriages, great. But Texas doesn't have to recognize it, and that's why the 15 case was yeah, yeah. important. Yeah. So she actually passed away this week, September 12th, uh, 2017. And it was, I mean, I just knew her name from this case, but um, it was worldwide news. Like, I mean, newspapers across the world, like, they didn't only mention it, they wrote articles about her. Um, And she did leave, like, a pretty, you know, great legacy. So, I mean, she had several awards in her lifetime, both for her LGBT activism, but also for her contribution to the tech industry because she was kind of a pioneer at her time. She was just very smart. She was one of the best programmers at... um, IBM, which is pretty significant. But you don't have a lot of women in, in tech. I mean, no, exactly. It kind of reminded me of the, you know, um, the hidden figures, yeah. you know, story the the women at NASA. Um, so she was actually uh, the runner up to Times Person of the Year in 2013. She was beat out by Pope Francis. She actually um, started writing a memoir before she died, and then it was published in 2019. It was finished by her co-author. It's called A Wild and Precious Life. Um, 2009, there was a documentary about uh, she and her uh, wife called Edie and Thea, a very long engagement. Um, And then she was Pride Grand Marshal in 2013. 2014, Logo has this trailblazer where they profile various LGBT trailblazers. So she was uh, profiled in that. She was actually... I remember saying that because, again, we talked about Logo, but, I mean, the Logo channel, like... That was a. They did all the Will and Grace reruns, and so I would watch that. And they were always talking about Edie Windsor, so that name is forever seared in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so Philadelphia, where she was born, they actually named a street after her. It's called Edie Windsor Way. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. 2019, she was the stone wall. You know, they put up that wall of uh, honor um, where 50 LGBT uh, major contributors were on the wall of the Stonewall Inn. Um, so she's on that. But pretty amazing story. I mean, I just feel like I didn't really know that much about her. And uh, uh, I feel she contributed a lot to our community and really to the world in general with like her all of her contributions to tech, you know, back in the, mm-hmm. the early days. So uh, she remarried uh, before she did. Yeah. yeah. One year before she died, she actually remarried. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, but the, the, the point, the point there is, well, one that never give up. And two is just like, she was able to legally get married. Like, I mean, she mm-hmm. broke down a barrier for our community to, yeah. to get marriage. Uh, to get married so that, you know, same-sex marriages could be legalized. So the fact that she was able to uh, get married and enjoy the benefits, like, mm-hmm. that was pretty uh, pretty awesome. Yep. So, cool. Very good. All right, last topic. You guys you guys ready? Yeah. Uh, this will be a topic that you you two are familiar with. Just because I know, Tony, you don't have cable, but uh, I'm going to talk about the premiere of the Rachel Maddow show, hosted by one Miss Rachel Marie Maddow. Just kidding. I don't know if her name's Marie. Her middle name's Marie. But I feel like everyone it's gets making a, up her middle name. Marie's a man's name. Everyone gets a like a, a everyone's every woman's name is Marie. Just like every drag queen's last name is Dupree or Deborah. Wait, have you heard? Let me tell one of Martha's <laughs> favorite jokes. There was a lesbian couple that asked, um, "What did you name your son? No, what did you name your daughter?" And he said, "Mary." He said, "Mary. That's a boy's name." You know how many times you've told that joke on this podcast? <laughs> we might have some new Oh, my God, really? I don't think I remember it. <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> but Martha's been on this podcast, I think, th- or this, uh, three times, two two times, three times. We've definitely mentioned it every time she's uh, been on. Uh, but, yeah, so talking about Rachel Maddow uh, being uh, named the ho- her show premiering, um, on September 8, 2008. Uh, of course, Maddow is known for uh, her cutting-edge journalism and political takes. Uh, the reason we're talking about her, not just because we want to talk about a lesbian, but she was the first openly gay woman to anchor a primetime news show. So that's big news. This was in 2008. Of course, what's happening in 2008? Election. Election. Yeah, remember when this was a controversial election between um, John McCain and Barack Obama when John McCain said something so outrageous. He said... That guy. Remember when that was like yeah, the de- deemed, oh my gosh, you would never say that in a debate. And here we are. <laughs> he also had that woman at a rally that was like, I, uh, I don't trust Obama because he's, he's a Muslim. Yeah. And, he and he's a terrorist that. and all that. And, and John McCain took the microphone where he was like, nope, nope. He's a good man who loves his family. And we just happen to disagree. Can you imagine that happening? No, 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 no. no oh, hell no. no. Definitely not. So a, a, a big deal. Um, and so it, at, a, at a crucial time in terms of journalism, in the sense not, not so much that it was the prime time or heyday of journalism, it was just it was a big election cycle, right? We were about to nominate. We had Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, had this big 2016 um, uh, uh, or the 2016, 2008 uh, Democratic primary. I mean, the, the, our, the Republican side was equally as exciting, but it was a bunch of white guys mostly. Yeah, but then running. we had Sarah Palin. People were like, what? Mm-hmm. right? So you had the first, well, not the first, but the se- first Republican female on a on a major ticket. Yep. Uh, and then you had Barack Obama was the first black man uh, to be on a 
on a major party ticket. So it was a big deal. And so there was all sorts of excitement and news. And so Maddow comes in. So it's not like she's, you know, was the at the uh, at the four o'clock hour. Yeah. I mean, she got a prime time spot. And that was because I remember like being in Montana where we have three electoral votes. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama both made multiple trips to the state of Montana yeah. because every vote, like every delegate vote. Counted. Well, that was the yeah. first time in Texas where, even though yeah, oh, it was the like primary Texas, mattered. It was yes. the first time the primary mattered because before, back in the, like the early um, when I remember my first election, that I remember was in '88. Like nothing mattered. Like it was already de- most of the time it was already decided. You knew who yeah. the front who was going to be. It didn't get that. Uh, that crucial, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so there was a lot of just a lot of news, a lot of excitement about the uh, the the campaign, and so here Rachel Maddow uh, comes on the Rachel Maddow show. It uh, aired at 9 p.m. Eastern, and was so it was a coveted time spot on MSNBC, which was becoming the the major you know opposition voice to Fox News, right? So Fox News was super popular, and MSNBC was starting to make its major pivot because before it was out there, but I don't remember it being the 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 other you know the liberal Fox News but in around 2008 it started to become really kind of we're going to double down and, and become this very liberal uh, news station so she found a very uh, you know her niche um, for providing her insights uh, she was one who stood out on the political de- uh, left her people appreciated her in-depth analysis her hard-hitting interviews uh, although she she still had this objective observer uh, take to or approach to her how she interviewed folks or how she delivered uh, the the stories that she was talking about um, she'd been out since college so it was not like a big surprise it's not like she came out later and like oh she's a, a lesbian and obviously uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say obviously because we don't want to stereotype, but she she did not portray the feminine, look. right? Yeah. You know, she wasn't the blonde. She uh, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, she she looked. Uh, she didn't portray the typical, uh, right? Feminine, uh, the typical view of uh, what a female journalist looked like on TV yeah. at that time, right? Uh, so, and she was an unabashed feminist and lesbian. So, here's her, her show starts on September 8th. Uh, she, she prior to that, she was a, a a radio host on Air America, and she took over the spot from Dan Abrams, who was a popular political legal analyst, uh, more middle of the road guy. He's still on on. I think he's a contributor for ABC and maybe in NBC, um, but middle of the road guy. Very uh, comes at it a New Yorker, but comes at it from a very um, legal perspective, right? So Maddow comes in, uh, again, it's the marking of MSNBC doubling down that they're going to be, you know, the the liberal uh, station. Um, her lead-in, which helped her a lot, was Keith Olbermann, uh, his show Countdown. Uh, he was very popular at the time. Whatever happened to Keith? Anyone? Olbermann? I don't know. He always had a lot of gaps. Yeah. And then he would have to, they would push him away. And mm-hmm. I think it was just one too many things where they had to be like, Keith, you can't say that. And he came back a couple of times. I mean, that guy started on sports. He was a sports yeah, center yeah. guy. Uh, and then came came on, he was on MSNBC. Again, got kind of squeezed out, then came back. And then I don't know what, uh, where he is now. But uh, Keith Olbermann was her first guest. And so he was the lead in. And uh, a lot of shows, and there's in particular, was a was a kind of a handoff, right? So she'd open her show and say, thanks, Keith. You know, it was, you know your show was exciting, whatever. Um, he had just done an interview with Barack Obama who at that point was the, the lead candidate uh, for the Democratic side or the, the, the Democratic nominee for president. And so they were talking about the election and Bar- the interview with Barack Obama. Um, so it was a big, big show to talk about. Uh, the reception uh, f- 
from Maddow's show was well received. The critics were favorable. They they saw her as a good humored female uh, on a cable news channel that a prime you know that was prime time was dominated by one 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 critic said unruly often squ- uh, squabbly schoolboys and then you bring in this very powerful again feminine but not like traditional you know feminine um uh voice on onto the primetime news uh channels and uh yeah it was very reassuring uh to have her because she wasn't shrill like the what the guys were who were screaming and veins mm-hmm. popping out it wasn't chris matthews who i know uh kendall you you like but it wasn't yelling she was very talking in a very calm voice yeah uh and uh but she's very like stern and like i mean well she comes very prepared yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. She has the receipts. She created a style that I think MSNBC has tried to copy in the in the sense of like uh, prosecutorial almost. Chris Hayes is like uh, to me. Chris Hayes is the male uh, uh, Rachel Maddow. Although Rachel Maddow at the time was called the female uh, Keith Olbermann. But it's it's a very analytical. What does they call me? It's not just it's not just I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to to Kendall's point show you the receipts, which uh, she had a big win. I mean, it was she was hyping it up for a while in terms of when she got a couple of pages of Donald Trump's tax returns back in 2017 or something mm. like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, she comes in, she does her research, she, her team does the research, and they come in with a very methodical. Uh, delivery of of the the news of the day um from a rating standpoint she was one of the the best shows to start off in terms of how it got a million viewers viewers uh, when it when it debuted uh, her competition was larry king on cnn and hannity and colmes on fox uh, i remember hannity and colmes mm-hmm. remember sean hannity had to jostle with uh, what was his name alan colmes alan colmes and uh, most liberals were like he barely even talks. He it was basically he was like a mannequin <laughs> featuring. Uh, yeah, uh, so that was but immediately out of the gate she was uh, she was beating Larry King, which you know Larry King was like the king of primetime at one point, and so for her to out of the gate, <coughs> excuse me, score a, a victory over him not a victory but a ratings win over him was pretty remarkable. Um, you know, Ken, Kendall, you're a Larry King fan. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I wouldn't say so much fan. I liked the fact that he could interview and have a conversation with people, which is dead now on primetime cable news. Now it's all about the argument, and it's about partisan, and let me prove my side. Larry King was an interviewer. And I think Larry King had kind of that, like, folksy, Sex grandfatherly, appeal. like, no, oh, where, like, again. I feel like, you people wanted to open up to him, you know, because he was just very casual and yeah. And he would ask hard questions, but he would never mm-hmm. ask the second hard question. <laughs> so, so he people would go in there knowing that okay, he might ask something, but he's not going to Bill O'Reilly oh, me or yeah. Mike Wallace. Um, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> well, I say that because Bill O'Reilly made it his when he came on the scene. He made it his oh. goal to beat Larry King in the ratings because Larry King was the big mm. juggernaut. And um, he, you would always say, Larry King's a softball interviewer. He doesn't belong on primetime. You know, bash him, which Bill Warley was known to do. But And now he's on radio. Uh, so I but did appreciate. Larry King was on there for years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. decades, yeah. 20-something. And so for her to, like, this, this, uh, this 
you know giant character of uh, personality of journalism tv journalism uh, Larry King for her, for Rachel Maddow's show to um, quickly uh, you know cl- clip him in, in ratings was a, a huge win. Uh, I mentioned Hannity and Combs, but she, you know th- basically, I mean, the Fox News network at prime time they've kind of got a lock on those ratings and so but she was able to edge out Hannity and Combs a couple of times. Um, you know now she goes head to head with Hannity, uh, and of course Hannity's show dominates the ratings as the president likes to remind everybody uh but she's had a couple of wins over him in terms of the ratings during the election season uh and then you know early days of the trump admin people were coming to rachel to see like what's happening because there was all sorts of you know stories at the beginning of the trump administration like this guy's gonna get impeached and here are the things in the russia and so she was on top of that and so she got a nice ratings boost early on um, and on CNN, you know, she tops Chris Cuomo no problem. Which, if you ever listen to Chris Cuomo on his radio show, he's always like, "I can't compete with Hannity and and Maddow because he's they're very political," which they are. I mean, he portrays himself as middle of the road, but whatever. Um, she is known for her style, which is, uh, is smart and skillful. She's got a, a, a kind of a storytelling approach. I mean, she's going to take you through the journey of where yeah. her point, right? Uh, she provides this in-depth, illuminating um, uh, presentation of current state of political affairs. She's really big on the transparency. I mean, her show's noted for the transparency and holding leaders accountable. Uh, and she does a nice job of connecting the dots for for the people who, who watch her show. Um, she conducts interviews with you know a variety of folks. I mean, she invites on, on both sides, whereas I feel like um, and I don't think she talks down to the people that may disagree with her. Whereas if I, I feel like if I'm watching a uh, Tucker Carlson or, you know, Sean Hannity, they'll bring someone on, yeah. but it's either a, a liberal who is, a you know, has a D got vote, elected in as a D, but was really an R, uh, or it's someone that they just going to shout down. Right. And I don't feel like she, she does that on, on her show. Um, go ahead. She's never been a fan of the D. I, I agree, but she is a. She's never had it. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. Oh, <laughs> how do you know you're a lesbian? You've never had the tea. Is that what you're trying to say? To she me? just needs a real man oh, to show gee. her the way. <laughs> no, she's a proud lesbian. She doesn't want any of that D. Uh, but you know, she's she's definitely uh, uh, kind of made her spot as the as the the anti fox you know liberal alternative to this high octane fox news bro culture although it's not all bros because you got laura ingram and uh what's her name uh Peri- uh dana gene janine perrero janine judge which cecily strong does a amazing impersonation of her um but she's sassy uh she's able to kind of provide a tit for tat for for folks um you know one of the things that that the critics have noted is like she's super smart but she doesn't bring anyone i mean i mentioned she brings people with different views but they're like that she's so smart there's no one ever she really gets in a in a serious debate with because she's always smarter than the people i mean she's just she's just so thorough in terms of her research um, she's had guests on, uh, you know, on all uh, ends of the political, all across the political spectrum. She's had a number of presidential candidates uh, on her show. She's you know, usually friendly, especially with the Democratic ones. But you know, she asks tough questions. I mean, she'll hold people accountable. I mean, uh, and uh, she'll interview people who disagree with her. She she actually won an Emmy for her interview with uh, Kellyanne Conway in 2017. Really? Yeah. 
Um, so uh, she does hard-hitting topics and current events. She, uh, that same year in 2017, she won an Emmy for her uh, for reporting on the the Flint, Michigan water crisis. Which is that issue resolved? I mean, I don't think so. We've been talking about that for how long? I so, feel like it just when stuff like that gets out of the press, nobody cares. I, I'm pretty sure they don't have. <laughs> I did see something water. where they're supposed to be getting some some sort of payment back, but I'm like, is the water fixed? So I mean, and, and who cares if there's one? a payment? A lot of little kids were getting brain damage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, her motto is mind over chatter. I mean, she's a no BS, you know, host, oh, which, know. you know, that, which, what people really like about it. Um, obviously she's no, uh, the, she has, she has no fans on the, uh, on the conservative side. Right. Mm-hmm. Other than she'd like, like Pelosi, like a, uh, like a AOC, like a Hillary Clinton. She's a prime target for people to attack, you know, oh, yeah. Maddow. um, so much so that she, she got sued by, uh, OAN, which is a very conservative, they're even more conservative and, and wacky than Fox News. Uh, she basically called them a Russian propaganda network, and they sued her. Of course, the the recently as early as this year, uh, that case got dismissed. But they're like, we're gonna appeal. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely after. Yeah, you know, the Russians are after Rachel Maddow, basically. So, well, Larry King works now for Russian Today, or was it RT? Well, does he work for them or? Is his program? I think his show's aired on there. He's not. He doesn't work. Okay, so it. he sells his program to yeah, really RT. Hey, you know Larry King had Trixie Mattel on his show <laughs> some time back, so you know kudos to him. Rachel Maddow, one thing Maddow, one thing I think that she ha- has been important about seeing her since two thousand eight is she's a masculine, some would say butch lesbian, mm-hmm. which is important not to shy away from that here's yeah. the thing though i i was reluctant to say butch because i i still think she has a degree of feminism it's just not one like that's why i was trying to say it's not the traditional dana bash on cnn or uh you know any of the blonde women on uh, on fox news so it's not the main it, it's very subtle but it because i don't want to lessen the fact that she's feminist i don't think she's trying to be Butch, which is... No, I think I, you can... I just get the vibe from her. She's being who she is. That's herself. Like My point is she's not... She didn't conform to yeah. look like a blonde bimbo Fox News. Yeah, I think she's very right. much... But she's this wearing, is me. And she's this wearing is me. a blazer. She's wearing... You know, she has thick, short hair. Thick frame glasses. Short hair. Yeah. yeah. And her demeanor is masculine, which is not an insult at all. Yeah. What I'm saying is it's important to see that. Yeah. Because so, for so long... Um, we kept those people off the air because, ooh, who wants to see a woman who yeah. dresses like a man? But as, the saying goes, as, as a feminist, I think she, at, would what she would say she is. I I wouldn't say she's like, oh, I'm trying to look like him because I I think that I, I, I didn't say that. No, no, no. But I'm just trying to say I don't. When but you let's. Say, but when you say the word masculine, I do think that it says uh, what I'm saying is stereotypically. But uh, let me just correct you real quick okay. on what I think the, the term feminist has turned into, which is not the definition of the word term feminist is now this umbrella term for man haters or yeah uh, that's not what i'm saying feminine feminine women or whatever a feminist simply means that women's rights the rights a man has should be equal to the rights a woman has you know that should have no more rights than the other and conservatives many times try to change the definition and you see a lot of women i've even seen lady gaga on the interview say I'm not, I mean, I don't want to call myself a feminist because I don't hate men, but... 
Oh, right. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, as a feminist, like you, you, you may be putting, but for us to say it, it's a more masculine approach. She's like, no, I am a woman, and this is how I dress. I'm not trying to be masculine. I yeah. am who I am, which to me is feminine, and it's yeah. a, and so that's what I'm trying to. That's why I didn't say. That's why I said it's non-traditional, and I don't mean that it's a wrong or it's an abnormality. I'm just saying we typically look at a newscaster, whether it's Connie that's Chung. That's saying she's not the or, stereotypical woman yeah. on television, right? And which uh, is important. And I yeah. just I'm careful not to use the word butch or masculine because I don't think that's a um, a trait that she would describe what, what herself. What am I? As. So, but like I said. She comes. She. A lot of people would call her masculine and butch, and I'm saying it's that image and representation that a lot of people would have of her that has kept people like her or feminine men um, off the air because the people that make those decisions. Oh, no one wants to see a sissy on the air. No we one still wants don't to have anyone a, on the news networks that do that, other than maybe Don Lemon. Um, but uh, no, that's a so subtle read. I remember uh, a couple of my coworkers. They're you know older they're probably in their mid to late 60s uh or they were at the 2016 election and they were definitely lifelong republicans they're old white people from texas um but they were actually not for trump because he's just a bridge too far um and so so they're for ted cruz <laughs> no don't like ted cruz either which is surprising i was like wow um but they actually both switched to start watching msnbc versus like fox news at the time because they felt it was a little more realistic. And um, they referred to her as tough. They're like, boy, that Rachel Maddow is tough. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is yeah, a cool yeah, trait. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it, it's good for a woman to be called tough, right? I mean, because so many times if they... If like they're the, stern, if they're a you, bitch. You get called, yeah, yeah, a bitch or shrill or thing, which is what they call Nancy Pelosi. Well, a lot of Hillary times Clinton. tough is code word. It's, it's not used as a compliment for women. No, in this... Well, but they're in their case, and that's why I took it as like... I, they did mean it as a compliment. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Like these two converts, you yeah. know, and the thing is, I feel like if it was Jeb Bush, they probably would have voted Republican, but they're like, obviously I can't vote for him. Right. And so, uh, but that's, they, they referred to her as like, to, and the reason they switched to MSNBC was they felt it was more balanced than like Fox news. Hmm. Hmm. Although it's very slanted and I don't, it, that's it not is. a lesbian job. No, no, no. I, I, and I do feel like all news is slanted. So, but it was, interesting that they didn't just go down the rabbit hole of drinking the fox news yeah. trump kool-aid well i'm a republican this is what i should do it's kind of like let me think for myself and here's a better yeah. alternative that, that said i mean i can't i it's a the the msnbc hardcores and the fox news to me they're a bit of the same sort of uh extremist <laughs> if you're going to just listen to what Hannity says or listen to what Maddow says then I mean I like Rachel Maddow I think her approach is very great I agree with a lot of stuff she's she's not like a lot of the other hosts on at least on, she says this is how I got to my opinion yeah yeah like it's backed up yeah but it's it's uh, I mean some of the other hosts on MSNBC what's the guy who comes after her I can't I have no time I for have him. Cable. Uh, an MSNBC uh, guy comes uh, after her uh, what's the Sean Hayes huh Lawrence O'Donnell, he's oh, just he's still great. On, I mean, some of these people, uh, I don't like. What are they? What is his stick against her? What is his reasoning for being against her? 
Oh no! Why I'm against him? Oh, I thought you said he came after. Her. No, no, he, oh. he he his shows He's, after his her. shows after her. His show. shows after her. <laughs> it was uh, like, he just, like some of those. People, oh, literally, he comes after. Yeah. Her. It's not like he's coming yeah. after her. It's like unlike most guys, he comes after her because normally you you come for. Uh, anyways, I uh, I think I think, uh, but I think that the network can be very extreme. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that she 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 does come with a very methodical approach i just any anytime you're believing a, a a newscaster just for and treating their word as gospel yeah with the exception of oprah kendall i'm sorry uh then uh then yeah you 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 need to check yourself um but check especially yourself. especially this time as we're heading into election it's gonna be crazy few months so mm-hmm. buckle buckle up everybody all right anything else all right well Thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with us this week. A special thank you to the man who keeps our sound in check, Spencer. Whoa. You can find Spencer along with Chris at our Spoopy Podcast and our Rupee Podcast. You want to hear scary stories? Listen to our Spoopy Podcast. You want to talk about drag queens? Listen to our Rupee Podcast. If you want to laugh and giggle, listen to both those podcasts. Our Spoopy Podcast, our Rupee Podcast, wherever you can find your podcast. They are part of the Listen Works Network, which is what we're part of. And as I mentioned earlier, we're part of the Greater Houston LGBT Chamber of Commerce. So supporting local LGBTQ-owned businesses. All right, and don't forget to subscribe to us so you can hear, you can hear future episodes. You can visit our web, uh, website uh, for all sorts of little fun nuggets of information at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Go ahead and press those five stars. Press them. We'll take them. We'll eat them up. And if you don't want to do it in public, you can send us an email at letstalkaboutgaystuff at gmail.com. All right, with that, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it.